Tune in to Twisted Youngins. I am one of your hosts, Myra King. It's the Desi Dash. And it's your boy Dave, aka Mojo, in the building. We have a special guest in the house. All right. He said, call him Triggs or call mm -hmm. him Wilton, whatever you want to do. Sir, introduce yourself to the people. All the way from Huntsville. Not in Huntsville, but that's where you're from, correct? <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, my name is Wilton Triggs, uh, MD. Uh, currently reside in Ohio right now. Been here for about a year now. So, MD, oh, okay. they call you Dr. Triggs then. I mean, you can if you want to. Hey, hey, that's your title, sir. Yes, Make sure people respect yes, on your sir. name, Dr. Trip, all right? Yes, sir. So what made you relocate to Ohio? So uh, when I was, like, looking at jobs, my uh, my chief resident year, my last year of residency, I got, like, a random email from a recruiter. And, um, you know, they were like, yeah, this is a small town. We're looking to hire a plastic surgeon. We haven't had one here in, like, five years. Uh, so I called them and, you know, the, the package was nice, the financial package. And uh, I came out here and uh, interviewed twice, well, interviewed once and then had like a second look. And I'm, I'm originally from a small town. So I said, hey, man, I can, you know, it's a two year guaranteed contract to come up here, uh, you know, pay some loans off, um, you know, get through my boards. And then, you know, if I like it, I'll stay. If not, then, you know, what I'm saying I, I thought the the benefit outweighed the risk so I was like shoot and so I did it and how did you get into it how did you get how did what is your uh back background like did you did you go to school for uh what, what did you what did you go to school for let me ask that first so originally uh like coming out of high school I wanted to be an engineer my uncle was an engineer and he seemed really paid so I was like man I'm gonna be an engineer I'm gonna stack some bread and then I'm gonna open up a restaurant like a bar and lounge type deal because I'm like really big in the food and so I got to school and, uh, at UAB, University of Alabama at Birmingham. And uh, everybody was like pre-med there because that's where the University of Alabama's med school is. And so I was like, well, shoot, I'd be pre-med too. And so I used to watch all these medical shows, House being the main one. And I was like, man, this is, this is kind of dope. And it wasn't until the end of my junior year in uh, college that I, was, I did this like summer program where you get the shadow and take like, you know, uh, prep uh, courses for the tests and stuff like that. And I said, like, man, I can see myself being a doctor. So I, I came back, changed majors to from engineering to chemistry, took the MCAT and got into med school and kind of ran from there. And then um, while I, when I was getting into med school, I thought I wanted to be a neurosurgeon because I read like Ben Carson's book and uh, this other black neurosurgeon book called uh, Brain Surgeon by Keith Black. He's out there at UCLA. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, man, I'm going to be a neurosurgeon. And it just wasn't a fit. I didn't like it. And so uh, my mom, uh, my mom's mom, my grandma died of melanoma, which is rare. So I thought I wanted to be a dermatologist, shadowed a dermatologist for about a month, really liked the like small surgical procedures. And so they told me to check out plastics. And then I did like a two week elective and then I did a one month elective and I really liked it and kind of went from there. Mm. Mm. So what was life like growing up in Huntsville? Mm. So I'm originally from Tryon, Alabama. It's like a okay. small little um, black community uh, outside of Huntsville. And right. so growing, I think we moved there when I was four, but my mom is like originally from there because both my parents were in the military. Mm -hmm. And so it was like just a poor, you know, small black farming community. And, uh, you know, our house was like right in front of like a, a big cotton field. So, you know, it was just like kind of like country living. 
But my parents, like, I didn't know that we were, like, you know, from humble beginnings. Like, I never felt like we were poor. But, you know, it was until you, like, started getting older. Like, you know, you ask for things. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we can't afford it and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I came from really humble beginnings. And uh, I remember when my dad got laid off. I must have been, like, 11 or 12. And, like, within a week, he was working, man. I saw him come home with a Burger King apron. He was out there, like, getting it. And, and I don't think he ever knew, like, I remember that until, like, my graduation from residency last year. And I told him, it was in my, like, graduation speech that I remember him, like, getting laid off. And then within a week, he was flipping burgers like it was nothing. He put his, you know, he put his pride to the side and, um, you know, started working. Got to do what you got to do. So is it safe exactly. to say that's where the stay hungry and the stay humble mindset comes from? That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right, man. Um, I think, like, over time, you know, people that go into medicine or any, like, really, prof uh, you know, professional or whatever, you know, they get certain accolades as they grow. And so sometimes they get kind of, like, egotistical or, like, kind of the big head or whatever, and they kind of forget where they came from. And so... You don't reach back and try to help others out as much. You don't mentor as much like that. And so I just feel like, man, you can be humble real quick in any field you're in. And so I just, I just really try to like put that on and like, especially when it comes to mentoring and helping other people out. Like, you know, I don't have like a cutthroat attitude. Like if I know something, you know, saying I share it, like, you know what I'm saying? If I found out a way that someone can market themselves, you know, I'll DM them like, Hey man, I really like what you're doing. You should try to come at it from this aspect, you know? Um, I just, I just really believe in that. And then, you know, you got to stay hungry because as soon as you get complacent, you know what I'm saying, you get left behind. So I'm all about, you know, always pushing forward. Yeah. You have a good, man, that's a good mentality to have, excellent mentality to have because with that, that's going to keep pushing you further. You know, just, right. you just, you know, being so determined and then helping others. And we're just having a, a in our a previous conversation, one of our one of, in our other interviews, and he was kind of saying the same thing about uh, reaching back, uh, giving giving information, and then especially within our community, I I can't speak speak about this for everyone, but a lot of times we don't like sharing the connection or sharing the information. We want to keep everything for ourselves. You know, yeah. we may you know we don't want to. We may have the everything may be. I'm not going to say laid out for us. But if we see someone else, and you, you know, might can help them, you might we know might the, can help them. Yeah. We don't want to give the information. We're not saying, "Oh, you, you got to take care of them, do this." But like you said, I like how you come at this angle. Maybe you know, maybe you should try this. This may work for you. You know, just just something like I'm that. telling you, man. That's that is so true, man. And and I like I live by this mantra too, man. From paid in full, everybody eats. Be like everybody can eat. There's enough money for everybody yeah. out here. So I don't understand yeah. like, why people feel a certain type of way with like helping somebody out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I come to you, I'm like, hey man, what do you, what do you think about this? And they kind of give me kind of like the, the like safe face. I'm like, all right, bet, you know what I'm saying? But you know, I'm never going to be, I'm not going to turn around and become that person. But yeah, there's a lot of people like that out it there. Is, I, I don't really understand. There's no reason for it. That's true. Yeah, definitely. Um, question for you. Um, so you graduated from South Florida, is that correct? Yeah, I did my residency training at University of South Florida. So I was there uh, from 2013 to th 2019, six years. So what's it like? I got a lot of questions for you. I ain't going to lie to you, fam. I did some research. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. Yeah, that's all good. I'll hold you. But <laughs> what's life like at, um, what, why, um, I guess I should say, why the choice of South, uh, South Florida College? So when, um, when I was applying for plastic surgery residency, it's really competitive, especially the integrated route. 
which means the traditional route for plastic surgery, you had to do like a general surgery residency, and then you had to apply for a plastic surgery fellowship. So that's eight years of training because you had to do okay. general surgery then three years of plastic. Uh, the integrated method, you come in as a plastic surgery resident and it's minimum uh, six years and you're done. It's a quicker way to get through it. So it's more competitive to get in there. So I applied to every program in the country. And then when I interviewed at University of South Florida, man, I really liked the fit, like the other residents. I felt like I vibed with them really well. I thought mm. the, the program was strong. And then um, my mentor at Vanderbilt um, that I did a lot of rotations with, he trained under the department chairman at University of South Florida. So he reached out and, you know, to kind of gauge my interest in this program. And I was like, man, I thought it was a nice program. But the rumor on the trail was they only took applicants that actually did a rotation at their school. And I didn't. I did mines at Vanderbilt in Kentucky. And, um, you know, the rest was history. I was like, man, I really like the fit, um, the weather you can't beat. And then they, their program was unique is that they get a lot of cosmetic experience just because there's um, a lot of money in the Tampa area. And then, you know, anywhere where it's sunny, there's going to be a lot of people that are really big into aesthetics. So that's why L.A. and Miami do so well when it comes to cosmetic surgery. And they get a lot of reconstructive work, too, because the, they run the burn center. Um, you know, anywhere you're like in a big city area, a lot of facial trauma and accidents and things like that happen. So you get to be a good reconstructive surgeon at the same time, mm. too. So that was really my, my choosing, like why I ranked them high uh, on my rank list, University of South Florida. Now so, you did attend UAB medicine as well, correct? Just for undergrad. I did my medical school at Meharry Medical College in Nashville. Mm -hmm. which, uh, I asked you about the relationship with Meharry. So what, yeah. what's, the, what's that like? Because I've seen the presentation you did for the people, and I felt yeah. like that was a great thing that you did because, like I said, spreading the message, letting right. people know that there are ways to do this. But what is the relationship with Meharry? Man, I, I love Meharry. So uh, when I was, when I decided to go to med school, my mom was like, you need to make sure you apply to uh, Meharry. You know, it's HBCU. My mom graduated from HBCU. She went mm -hmm. to Alabama A&M University in Normal, Alabama, which is technically Huntsville. Yep. And, um, you know, I wouldn't really try to go there. I, I think my the school I wanted to go to was like Duke or something like that. And so, you know, I interviewed at a lot of medical schools and got waitlisted a lot. And then um, I remember when I was trying to apply for Meharry, I was broke, man. The application fee was like $85 and I ain't had it. Wow. And so I was in a research lab and one of my, uh, one of the people that worked with me in the research lab, you know, I kind of told him what was going on. And I remember I got a text message. I ain't know, it was from an unknown number. So, hey man, are you still trying to apply to Meharry? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, I got the money for you. And I was like, who is this? And uh, it wound up being my, my lab partner in the research lab. So he fronted me the, uh, the $85. I applied. Uh, within a couple of weeks, uh, I had an interview. And then, like, literally, I think it took, like, one week. And I heard back that I was uh, accepted to their uh, class of 2019. And I accepted it because I was like, man, I'm not about to wait around. I, I mean, I had a few more interviews left and, you know, I was waitlisted. I was like, I'm not about to wait around. Clearly, they saw something, so I'm going to roll with it. Mm -hmm. And so when I was interviewing, uh, Meharry has this big thing about family. Like, we're a big family. We take care of each other. And I was like, man, they're just saying that. You know, this is during the interview process. You know, because everybody's like cutthroat in med school. Yep. Well, that was that's what I thought. And so when I, you know, when I came through, I mean, it, it, they really do preach that whole atmosphere of family. And so, man, I wouldn't change that decision for nothing in the world. It's like you go to a school, you know, it's predominantly black. Everybody is like smart. Everybody is like super chill, super cool. 
you know, uh, did a lot of different things in undergrad and high school, just a lot of real wound, well-rounded individuals and you just vibe with man. And so, you know, you kind of get sheltered a little bit because you're in the HBCU, predominantly black. Most of the professors are predominantly black. Everybody's like hella cool, hella chill. And then you go out to the real world, you know, you go to residency in a predominantly white institution and it's almost like a culture shock, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, boom. And then, you know, you kind of out there like on the island, you know, by yourself. Okay. Um, how, how many surgeries have you performed? Oh man. Uh, when I, when I left out of residency, I think it was over maybe like 5,000 surgeries and, um, it's probably up to like almost 6,000 now. Yeah. And that's over, you know, from intern year till now. So seven years. So yeah, almost a thousand surgeries a year. Wow. And mm-hmm. they've, and, and what, and, do you consider your, do you, do you, is there, you do plastic surgery, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So what, what kind of, what does, what does, what does it all entail? Do you do like, do you do butt plants? You do, do you reconstruct what like if somebody, an accident? Do you, you know, like, do you breast implant or stomach yeah, yeah. tucks? Like what all does that, that Noses. Entail? I think they do a yeah. nose. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm a general plastic surgeon, so I do everything. I do cosmetics, I do reconstructive, I do burn surgery, I do hand surgery, because a lot of people don't know you can become a hand surgery surgeon, either being a plastics or an orthopedic uh, surgeon. And um, those are, that's like my, my bread and butter right now is mostly reconstructive. So a lot of skin cancer, people that have like massive skin cancers, and you can't just, you know, uh, stitch everything together. You got to kind of like move tissue around. Um, I do a lot of breast reconstructive surgery. I'd probably say that's probably my, like in the reconstructive field, probably my favorite thing to do. And then I do cosmetics mm. as well. A lot, a lot of like massive body contour and stuff. So people that's lost a lot of weight, uh, you know, and just have like a lot of loose skin. I like doing those procedures like arm lifts, tummy tucks, uh, thigh lifts, things like that. You do butt shots? Yeah, I do. Uh, I do a lot of Brazilians uh, where you like liposuction the fat and then you basically... Uh, put that fat in the buttocks. Yep. How but it's a healthy way to do it because a lot of these women, well, you know, they're having you know accidents with that. You know, it's blowing yeah. on them. It's looking deformed. Mm-hmm. What is the healthy way to go about that? Correct. So the healthy way of going about it is finding someone that's experienced and that's either board certified or board eligible because they have to um, uphold themselves to a, a higher standard when it comes to doing those procedures. Um, also, you know, fat is the way to go. Like a lot of, a lot of times you hear about these like motel room injections and stuff like that. And people getting these bad infections is because they're going to these like random hotels and somebody that's not even like a nurse, like, you know, say no medical experience or like literally putting, you know, fix a flat or or silicone into their, you know, buttocks from Home Depot. That's not the type of stuff you put in there. Like, you know, even when you do like uh, breast implants, it's like medical grade silicone and it's like made in a way that it doesn't like really cause infection. They're taking stuff that you put in to like, you know, in bathrooms and kitchens and putting it in you, like just squirting it in there. And one, it's going to be hard. Two, it's, gonna, it's not sterile. So it's going to cause an infection. Mm. So that is the way to go. Finding someone that has experience is board certified or board eligible um and then just being a healthy surgery candidate yourself you know is probably is the best way to go about how would somebody put fix a flat in your butt 
I don't know, man, but people are doing it. Like, so when I was in training, we had this girl from, uh, you know, I did my training in uh, Tampa. She went to like some hotel room in Miami and some, some person like injected her with fix-it flax. She was trying to get, you know, a cheap BBL. She was and, uh, I don't even remember, man. It was, it was a while ago. She may have been, I don't know, but it, it looked bad. So she came in with this terrible infection both butt cheeks and then so basically what we had to do is we had to cut away the infection or it was going to kill her so literally she had no butt after we got done and then you know we had to take the, we didn't like cut open the skin we had to take the skin off too so we had to take skin from her legs and skin graft mm. so so she was completely flat with skin grafts on her so i don't know if you've ever seen like a healed burn patient that's how her her butt looked scarred and all yeah deformed forever like there's nothing you can do that's going to make you look natural after that that's crazy a piece of meat on your backside can give you self-esteem or take it away do you ever yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. you ever cringe during like the, the skin surgeries like with the burns and the um i think the only time i really felt some type of way it was like my first surgery as an intern so a first year resident and uh, we were getting ready to reconstruct this guy. He had this bad infection of his scrotum, so his ball sack. So mm. real bad infection. So we, like, I was there, and we used this like um, this gun. It's called a post lavage, and so it shoots like antibiotic solution, almost like a water gun. And uh, you know, I was there like literally with both testicles in my hand, not the scrotum. The scrotum was all cut away. Oh no! Just like washing. You know, this this area that had all this infection, pus and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and um, you know, I almost God, I almost feel some type of way. I think I almost fainted. But did I did he <laughs> like, did he live at the whole Yeah, he, he lived, his his son oh, fine. We wound up like creating a new scrotum for him and he was back to work oh, a couple oh, months later. You said you created a new scrotum for him? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We took like his, you do his thigh muscle and skin. And you design it like almost like a ge geometric shape and fold it and put his scrotum in there and sew everything up. Okay. Yeah, it's called a, it's called a, uh, what do we do? We did a bilobe gracilis, a myocontaneous gracilis flap for scrotal reconstruction. Mm. Okay. Uh, can I ask you a question about something I've seen you speak about before? Browtosis. I thought that was the craziest yeah. thing I've ever heard in my life. I've never heard this term before. Can you explain it to us? Yeah. So browtosis. Yeah. All bronchosis it means, so tosis means saggy. So, you know, bronchosis is just like when you're, uh, so for men, your eyebrows should sit uh, right at this bone right here. It's called your frontal bone. Uh -huh. For women, your brow should sit a little bit higher on top of that bone. And so anytime it goes below those points, it's called tosis. Because then what happens is you have extra skin that collects right on top of your eyelid. So it kind of makes it hard for your peripheral vision. Yeah. And so people... Uh, usually older men or older uh, older females, they come in and be like, man, I've been walking into stuff or, you know, having a hard time parking because their peripheral vision is off. If they go to like an optometrist or eye doctor or something like that, and they do this uh, lid taping test where they literally like tape their lids up and they do better, insurance will pay for them to have like a brow lift and uh, blepharoplasty, which is uh, eyelid surgery, which one, makes you look younger and two, it helps you to see because it lifts away that extra skin that was blocking your vision. Or you could put a headband, try to push all that meat up. <laughs> <laughs> like one of those dogs. Does any of Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So if someone that comes yeah. in with uh, saggy breasts, the, the yeah. correct term is like uh, breast. Yeah. 
How much this stuff around like for the breast though? Cause I'm, you know. So know. it depends. So if they just getting a lift with no implant, uh, you know, every, you know, everybody's different because it's a cosmetic procedure. So anybody can charge whatever you want to. Uh-huh. So, you know, somebody that's in high demand is going to charge more versus somebody that's struggling for business. But usually around five or $6,000, probably average. But like I said, that could be higher. Is that for the implant? Is that for the implant? Or is that for no, the... That's just, that's just, uh, just to lift them. Now, if you want to huh? lift them and put in the implant, probably around eight to 10. Because mm. you got to pay, you got to include the implant. Sometimes we talking about Ooh, them. We're talking about double D's or we talking about some, you know. Well, really, it's up to them because, um, oh. you know, there's different types of, like, styles of implant, but it doesn't matter how big it is. It's going to cost the same as if, like, an okay. 800cc implant versus a 500cc implant. If it's the same style, it's going to cost about the same amount. Okay, what about the butt? How much is that? So, you know, that's a little bit more expensive because you got to liposuction all these different areas and then turn them on their back, liposuction some more, and then actually put the fat in there, you know, probably around 10 to 12. Uh, somebody that's high high demand, like a Dr. Miami, he's probably looking at 25K, something like that. Hey, ain't that bad. You, you ever, so what is he ever, doing differently from y'all that he often saying 20? So, because he's in high demand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. supply mm-hmm. and demand. So, so just so he got an, okay, it cool. takes a lot of time to do them. Okay. Yeah. So, you, you, if you block a whole day off to do this one surgery, you know what I'm saying, it's going to cost a lot more versus something that only takes you an hour to do. Oh, because he can do okay. a lot of little things for the same amount of time. Okay. Right. You ever perform a, a a sex change? I've done top surgery. I haven't done bottom surgery. So when I was in training, uh, we did a fair amount of like top surgery because insurance is starting to cover. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, but I've never done any bottom surgery though. You said you would you starting to cover? It? Yeah, yeah, it is. It, at least in Florida, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So insurance covers the sex change, correct? Yeah. That's what's up, yo. So are you are you single? Yeah, I am. Okay. You I, single I in Miami, to... sir? I mean, no, he's in Ohio. Yeah, that's Ohio, Ohio, right? <laughs> Ohio, right? So why are you single? Yeah, I'm in Ohio. Right? What's up? Player? Uh, I'm just I'm just chilling. <laughs> I mean, listen, okay. listen, listen, listen. listen, listen. Happens, it'll happen, but Do I, you cut on a, like have you ever cut on a woman that you in D or something with? No, 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 no. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I mean, I've had people that come in and be like um like chicks that i've like talked to and they're like yeah you know i want you to do this and i'm like i can't do it because i mean i just don't want to do that i feel like it's like an ethical thing like Mm -hmm. because i mean i've seen a couple of like youtubes on people that like built their wife i've seen two of them i've seen uh like a black surgeon i've seen a white surgeon like literally build their wife do liposuction facelifts and stuff like that and i don't i don't want to be that dude have you ever talked to a woman that's had somebody sort of you know augmentation or something yeah yeah i have yeah Mm, examine have you examined it <laughs> <laughs> was it good work <laughs> how would you rate the doctor's work <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't uh talked to anybody that had bad work i'll put it like that okay you know, they were on point uh, um i think that the biggest question i get is you know do i do i automatically like use my like aesthetic eye to like look at women like when i'm meeting them and stuff like that and you know i don't because i feel like i know how to like turn it off and turn it on unless it's like something just super obvious you know what i'm saying like their nose is like super crooked or something like that that so do you get any work done 
Or have I you? I don't think so. No, I haven't. I, mean, I haven't even given myself Botox or anything. <laughs> mm. So, question. With that being said, then, with all things being said, you're not looking mm. for a woman. Are you looking for a woman, per se, to... Are you looking at women like, oh, I could do something with that? Like, I could we'll do some work on her and we can work things out. Or are you looking at women for what they are and accepting the natural beauty? Accepting the natural beauty. Okay. I, I'm not opposed if they want to get something done. Like, that's dumb. You know what I'm saying? Um, for you, from you, from a right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna do it. Like, I'll refer them to somebody I know that's oh, good, nah. but I'm not. I'm not gonna do it. I mean, you, <laughs> you know, let's let's be fair. We're all grown here. You're the one putting it in her life. She wants you to do the augmentations on her. She don't trust nobody else with her body like she do I, you. I just couldn't do it, man. I just feel like you know when you see them, like you know, um, put put to sleep and all draped out and stuff like that. I'm just like, I, I just don't know if I can do it. Have someone ever woke up doing the surgery? Not, not for me. Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah. Sir, you look- it, it does happen, though. It, it does happen. Yeah. That's on the anesthesia fault. That, that's not mine. <laughs> right. right. What, what, do you, what is your diet? Like, what do you eat? Because you look built, built up. Look like you're working out. Yeah, man. So um, I work out pretty regularly. So it started about a year ago. I started being more consistent. But, like, during the week, uh, I eat pretty healthy, like salmon, chicken breast, uh, a lot of veggies like kale. Um, shoot, that's really about it. Then on the weekend, I just eat whatever I want to. So mm-hmm. I drink, I eat pizza, I do whatever I want to do during the weekend. But over time, I've noticed like even on the weekend, I start eating more and more healthy because it's just I don't know, it just kind of like lives in the back of your mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. but I I love to eat, man. I consider myself a foodie, you know, like steak, all that kind of stuff. Okay. What do you think is a key? What do you think is a key food for a successful diet? Put it like that. Oh, man. I think just a lot of veggies, green veggies. Okay. I think, one, they, they got, like, a lot of fiber in you, so they, they kind of clean you out at the same time, taking toxins out of the body. They got, like, nutrients to help. And then they kind of make you feel full at the same time, too, so you're not kind of, like, overeating. So I would say vegetables like kale, broccoli. Uh, Brussels sprouts, uh, green beans, stuff like that. And then the thing is, you can't like overcook them, like boil them up too hard because then you'll like deplete all the uh, nutrients. Okay, out. So like kale, I saute kale, I saute green beans. I don't really boil a lot of my vegetables. You have gotcha. any brothers or sisters? Yeah, I got a younger brother who's two and a half years younger than me. He's uh, back home in Huntsville. He's a chef. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, you get food whenever you want to then. Man, no. He'd be acting funny. He's like, you got to pay me. <laughs> so, hey, you've been outside this country? Like, you travel? Uh, I'm not, like, a huge travel person, but I have been outside the country. I have a passport. Um, like, last year, I went to the Bahamas. Uh, I was going to go to um, – I was trying to go to, like, Europe this year, but, you know, the whole COVID thing shut yeah. that down. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, one of those people that's, like, like always trying to get stamped up on their passport, but I do enjoy going out the country. Though. Before as America, like where have you been? Uh, like so Baham- a lot of the Caribbean places. So the Bahamas, I've been to Colombia, uh, Costa Rica, Mexico, Canada. Um, man, where else? I think those are the big ones that I can think of, but mostly like in the Caribbean and the Gulf, those like islands and stuff like that. Cause I'm like vacationing. Okay. I- what is the what is the tone like since like this the whole pandemic and the whole Black Lives Matter movement? What is the tone like that out there in Ohio and uh, right. Alabama? If, if, as a, right. So um, 
you know, where I'm at, you know, this is, this is, you know, this is, this is a red county, yeah. you know, br bright red, you know, I, I had patients come in with the MAGA hat on and, you know, um, you know, don't, the only thing I kneel for is uh, the Lord t-shirts and stuff like that. So, um, but I will say, man, one time I came and this was like right when all the protests were starting, man, I came home from the gym and I was like, man, there's a lot of people in the park because I live like my apartment is right across from this park. Yes. And so I was like, let me go down and check it out. I was like, first of all, let me see what type of rally it is before mm. I go down there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Own one, brother. <laughs> they may be expecting you. They may be expecting you. Exactly. So, so I went out to the balcony. I was like, man, because I was on the phone with my cousin. I was like, man, I think this, uh, I think they're having like a, uh, Black Lives Matter rally. So I looked, I was like, yeah, it is. So I went out there and checked it out for a little bit. And then they went marching and stuff like that. So, you know, it's not like, and I mean, it was totally peaceful. The police were out there, but they were kind of like, they weren't in like, you know, they were like playing clothes. They weren't hassling nobody. They were in a crowd, chit-chatting, talking to people. I will say, man, the I, I have not encountered any type of prejudice or racism since I've been out here in rural Ohio, you know, predominantly white, I would say probably about 94%. I mean, my apartment faces the border of West Virginia. Like I can look outside and see West Virginia. I've had no issues with any parents. I've probably experienced more racism when I was in Tampa than I have out here. All my patients have been super nice, super respectful, basically on some, you know, whatever we got to do, doc, you just let me know. And, uh, you know, and I think, you know, for me, you know, I remember being at AutoZone and being approached like by people that you wouldn't even think would talk to you mm -hmm. and they'll tell you their whole life story, yeah. you know, with the MAGA hat on and everything, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I just find it that that's a, an opportunity that if that, that conversation does come up to kind of educate somebody, because a lot of these people are just plain on ignorant. They just don't know you know, how certain things are affecting people and things like that. So that's a teaching moment. But I, I mean, I, I haven't had anybody like disrespect me or come at me any kind of crazy way. And, and honestly, it's been the opposite. People have been super nice and, and, and you know, really respectful. Okay. That's dope. Uh, yeah. That's dope. It's crazy though. I mean, like, like I said, man, you never would expect it. Right. Nah, right. Nah, no, do you, no do you think you'll be in Ohio for a while after your contract is up? Like, so my contract ends next next July, I think, and so I don't know. I'm on the fence. Like I'm I'm weighing some things out. Um, you know, there's always that desire to go strictly cosmetic. You know, be the Dr. Miami or Dr. Kurz and stuff like that. Um, and there's also, you know, you get kind of like once you move somewhere, you get kind of set in your ways. It's like, oh, I don't feel like starting all over and doing this again. So. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I honestly would prefer to be closer back to the South, back home. That's where most of my friends are, or all my friends are, and that's where, you know, my family is, so. You're at Holzer, right? Yeah, Holzer. Holzer Health Center. Medical Center. So you're the first Black Chief Residence Department of Plastic Surgery or whatnot? I'm definitely their first Black Plastic Surgeon, but I was the first Black Chief Resident for University uh, mm. of South Florida when I was still a resident. Ah, got you, got you. South, yeah. Sorry about that. Cool. That's what's up. That. Um, going back to when you were younger. So you were in the Gates Millennium Scholar. You were yep. mm -hmm. break that down to me. I couldn't do much research yeah. on that. So um, you know, Bill Gates, the Bill Gates Foundation gives this like crazy scholarship. When I say it's crazy, like they pay for your bachelor's, your master's, and your PhD if you do something within 
the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics fields. So any STEM career, any STEM career, you can, they'll pay for all of that. Wow. And give you a stipend. And so, you know, like I said, I went into undergrad, wanted to do engineering. And so I filled out this long, I mean, it was like 10 essays. Like I worked on this application for months, like every day working on an essay and stuff like that. Had people read over it. And man, when I got that scholarship, that's basically, we call it high school in it because you don't have to pay for nothing once you get to um, undergrad because they cover for everything, books, tuition, and give you a stipend. And give you a stipend during the summer if you want to do, um, like, as long as you're, like, taking a class, they're giving you money to finish that up. And so, man, it's it's a, wow. and then, like, they have, like, these little conferences where you get to meet other Bill Gates, uh, Bill Gates scholars. So it was, it was a, definitely, like, right. Uh, a nice situation. It was probably my biggest scholarship outside of I got a, a academic scholarship through UAB. Okay. You ever ran across like uh, any of your um, college colleagues that was severely in debt? Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't take out any loans through uh, through undergrad, but when I got to med school, the Gates Millennium Scholarship don't cover that. They don't, that, which I think is weird, but they don't cover med school, so. Man, so that's my only time taking out loans. So, but I got enough loans to to say that yeah, I might as well take out loans at undergrad right. too. But uh, yeah, man, my uh, I have a couple of good friends that are yeah, they're definitely trying to handle that loan situation. And luckily, right now everything's deferred for a little bit without any interest going up. So that's good. Oh yeah. That's so a, how great. is it being the first black doctor in the family? How is it being like that? First, uh, I should say. I feel like my family, man, I feel like <laughs> they don't really like, so I answer more medical questions from like friends and like random people than I get from my own family. Like, I'm like, you know, you can just run that by me. I could have like called you in a script or I could have told you exactly what was going on. So like only my cousin and like maybe one, like two of my cousins will actually call me and get my like advice or something like that. Mm. Or, you know, to ask me to call them in something. Everybody else, man, they barely, like, let me anything know. It's almost like they don't see me, like, as a doctor. So, yeah, it's, you it's, know, family-wise. Like a little hate feel. Like, it's like, you know, you don't respect me. I went to school. I did all these different things. I, You know, you should want to ask me. I should be the guy. Yeah, like, and, I'm, and I tell them, I was like, man, I get, like, more medical questions from, like, you know, random people or friends or the family members of my friends that I get from my own family. And uh, it's, uh, I don't really know if it's just like, they can't see me as a doctor or what. So, you know, I don't, I don't force the issue. Man, we First, see. I used to be, I used to be like, Hey, you know, why didn't you come to me? But now I'm just like, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you said something that caught my attention. Um, I was scrolling through things. You said the prettiest pictures are painted with the darkest colors. Can you write that yeah, down? Yeah. yeah man. So I got that quote from, um, from a movie, uh, Bruce Almighty with uh, mm-hmm. Jim Carrey Correct. and uh, Morgan Freeman was playing like God. And yeah. I think he said that quote towards the end of the movie. And I was in high school. And man, when I heard that, I was like, man, that's perfect. So to me, it felt like, you know, I didn't come from this like respected background because most doctors you meet, their dad or mom, uncles, like they have this whole lineage of people in healthcare. Like I didn't have that, you know, they had someone to kind of show them the ropes or even like a lot of athletes. Now, if you notice a lot of athletes, they're all coming from like, you know, their dad was in the NFL, their mom ran track. 
I mean, I'm talking about NBA, uh, NFL, all this. Like, a lot of this stuff is coming through lineage because they know how to navigate the systems. They have connections. And so, for me, like, you know, I had to get it out the mud. So, to yeah. me, I felt like, you know, the, the difficulties I had in my life uh, basically made me who I am today. And, you know, those were, those were a lot of dark colors. And, you know, it, it made a nice picture to where I am today. And, uh, you know, I use that on, I use that quote, like almost in all my scholarship applications and most of those uh, scholarships I got. And I used it for a couple of other essays when I was in college. Are you a sports fan? I am. I am. What's your, what's your sports? So NFL, I follow the Bucks because, you know, I was in Tampa for six years. Okay, Tom Brady, uh, yeah. that's my man. That's, that's right. I, I, yeah. I, go, I go wherever LeBron goes. So if LeBron goes to the Clippers. Worry about it. Yeah, yeah, he said, yeah, no. Yeah, home for my Lakers. Don't you worry about it. Go nowhere. Um, going to put a statue outside for him. Exactly. Uh, hockey, I follow the, uh, the Tampa team. And also for baseball, I follow the Tampa Rays. So. Uh, and then I'm an Alabama fan for uh, college football. Ah, there we go. There we go. Yeah, go ahead. We definitely, like, um, another purpose of this, we definitely just wanted to give you your flowers as well. We think right. this is, you know, dope. It's great what you're doing. Um, a lot of people that we that, that see that, you know, may look like us, we don't get a chance to have the interaction with them. Yeah. You know, and uh, just to give somebody their flowers and to see someone thrive. And I think that's, that's great. And And to... And for others to hear the story, that's even better as well. So to let everybody know that this people is. People don't even know that they can know? do this. They, yeah. they yeah. don't. They yeah. don't. They think they, they get deterred. They think it's yeah. it's it's out far fetched. Yeah. You know, they especially when you talking about the amount of time you gotta go to school and and the amount of money. And and another I think within our community, I think money plays the issue too, especially right. with going yeah. away. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, def- it definitely does. And so like that's like one of the reasons I started my page. Because I do a lot of like mentoring and community work. I partner with a lot of like nonprofits because I don't have my own. And, uh, you know, it's like talking to like, you know, elementary, middle school, high school kids like, hey, man, I've been right where you were. You know, I know exactly how this thing goes to just kind of show them like, hey, man, you got other options. And, uh, you know, I've, I've worked with one particular program in Tampa. Like I still travel back to Tampa and do like career days and different functions when they have these sessions. Um, called G3 Life Applications, Give God the Glory Life Applications. And, um, you know, that's that's basically what I do to try to show them, at least just be there. And I try to show up, you know, with my chains on and everything like that, yeah. swagged mm-hmm. out, just so I can show up. Like, man, you ain't yeah. got to be a square out here. You know what I'm saying? You can be yourself and still, like, make a good living. But at the end of the day, it's just finding something, you you know, you love to do. But you can always make money. Last question. Are you religious? Yeah, I am. What's yeah. your uh, Christian. Okay, you a Christian? Okay. Yeah. I ain't nothing wrong with that, man. Yes, sir. Um, a question I do got for you before we get out of here. One key thing that I didn't, um, I don't think a lot of people need to pay attention to. Because you need faith. Interview. That's why I always ask that. Because yeah. you, you know. Definitely. Um, what people need to pay attention to in this interview is that you did say you had a mentor from Vanderbilt, right? That's right. And Vanderbilt ain't just no normal school. That's a school full of some smart people. So how'd mm-hmm. you bump into this mentor? So, man. That's a real, that's the first time I've ever gotten that question. Cause usually I say it, nobody ever follows up on it. So when, cause I went to Meharry, but Meharry mm-hmm. has like an alliance with Vanderbilt. So some rotations we do over there. So when I was, um, they, when I knew I wanted to do plastic surgery, I, uh, I sent it 
trying to think that I sent an email. I sent an email to do a rotation over there before I went to Kentucky because these away rotations are basically like an on a job interview. You do a rotation for like a month um, and, you know, you work with the residents and stuff like that so they can get to know you. And a lot of times they give you an interview during that rotation or that bumps you higher or it can hurt you, you know what I'm saying, to get accepted to that program. And so I emailed, and honestly, I don't know why I emailed this certain guy, but there's Jason Wendell out in uh, Nashville. And I don't even think I worked with him before. And uh, he, he was like, yeah, I have time. Um, you can rotate with me for a month. And so I did. So I worked, I worked with him exclusively in clinic and in the operating room. And I did so well. He went up the bat for me, um, you know, writing my letter of recommendation. That was really well written because that's really where it's at. Like who you know and how good your letter is will get you in the door. And it's in medicine too. It's not just numbers. Like it's who you know. Like real. Absolutely. That's why I said you saying you have a mentor. A lot of people don't understand. That's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one. super. Like, man, I'm telling you, that is, I, and that's what, man, that hurt me, I think, the most going through residency. I didn't really have like a mentor or someone that was kind of like in my age group to kind of like show me the way, like during uh, residency. And so I stumbled, like starting off, but then, you know, I kind of got my feet back under me and you know, everything else went well. But yeah, man, I th mentorship is so key. I think on any phase of life, any phase of life. For cool. sure. Now yeah. you are we registered with Medicare, right? Like yeah, I am. Medicare right. and Medicaid, yep. Okay, so that, that means basically you accept claim assignments, right? That's right, I do. Cool. So for the people out there who feel like they might not be able to make it, the man might be able to work out, work some out with That's you. Right. So That's you, right. That's right. You, you might be able to get you in and get you out of here, all right? That's right. Get you right. We'll get you tight. We definitely appreciate this. We got to have definitely. you on again. Um, hey, just reach out, man. I'm available. I'm down. Absolutely. We'll, we'll appreciate this. It's been great. Uh, more than anything, it's great content man, for the children, great content. Man. Like I said, the babies need to see that there's actually something else for them to do out here in these streets. Other than, like you said, regular sports or even just going out and doing, not saying that it's a bad field, but just doing the regular construction jobs and stuff like that. You don't have to do, you can do anything. You can go mm -hmm. be a plastic surgeon such as you or anything else like that in the matter. You know, there's. I think it's all about exposure, man. People are going to emulate things. And so if you don't see it, you're not really going to think about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you take vitamins? I do. I do. I take uh, like a men's uh, one a day, like Active Edge Pro. And I take a lot of supplements too. I take like Echinacea, uh, Golden Seal, uh, okay. I take a probiotic, uh, milk, milk thistle, cinnamon. Yeah. Oh wow! Come, come back. Where do you come get that? You just get it right all this down now. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, just get, I just get it from Walmart. I oh Walmart? Walmart. I, I thought yeah, I, I just get, yeah, I go through the little supplement aisles, and that's where I cop them from. But I've been, I've been hearing about like better quality supplements, so I'm gonna start looking at that. So hopefully, y'all bring me back. I'll have like a review on some like you know, know, know you'll, you'll, or whatever you'll be back. You'll be back. Yeah, hopefully you have the review ready. We'll bring oh, you yeah. back. <laughs> Right. Yeah, man, like if you want to do like a Q&A on like different, you know, hot plastic surgery procedures yeah. that's going on, I'm, I'm down. No, actually, do before we get out of here, that is one question I got for you. Since you are single and you are a plastic surgeon, what is the wildest DM that you have had so far? Just straight news. <laughs> They'll come in. Like it won't even be like any, uh, it'll be like, hey, what do you think about these? And then I'm like, uh, nothing looks wrong with these. And they'll be like, oh, well, now that I have your attention. And that's exactly how the message works. Yeah. Mm, that's <laughs> why you're the crazy. 
up there just going hard in Ohio. Iowa, right? Ohio. Ohio? Ohio, yeah. I mean, this person wasn't even in Ohio. It was just like, I was like, wow, okay, then. Find them out, man, or what? Yeah, they want to. Are you flying them out? Yeah, they want to know. No comment. (laughs) Confirm nor deny if you were getting. Exactly. I plead the fifth. None of that's nothing. All that's up for debate. Who knows? Especially they said round trips is like one hundred fifty dollars, depending on where you were flying at. Hey, from, listen, from? Might, be the time, might be the time to get flewed out if you try. <laughs> get some airline credits. Uh, other than that, man, like I said, uh, I'm with my. I appreciate you coming out, sir. We will definitely have you back. Like I said, the information you've given us, we are going to continue to spread this knowledge with the rest of the people. And sir. like, I, yeah. And yeah, serve and protect the people out here and man, continue yeah. to give it back. Right. Always for the culture, man. Always. You know, have a good one. And uh, like I said, enjoy your roses. We just want to give you your roses. Definitely, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Enjoy yourself. All right. Thank you. Thank you.